0: Hey, uh, this is going to be a, a unique uh, weekend because uh, our leadership team got together and we said, you know, let's try to do something different where we're actually just going to speak to our own campuses. And so uh, we got together and we thought, what, what, is, what does God want for the South Overland Park campus? Like, what does he really want just, just for us? So if you're visiting from North Overland Park or Olathe, I'm sorry, this isn't for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's, hopefully you'll still have something for you that God wants wants you to hear. And it reminded me of a quote. A, a guy named Bob Goff said, don't tell people what they want to hear, but tell them who they are. And so prayerfully, God will tell you sort of who you are Today, but, but first, before we get there, we're gonna, we're gonna use some Greek mythology. The only time you'll probably ever hear Greek mythology from a church is today, so forgive me if it offends you, but, but think about this guy. There's this guy named Sisyphus. In Sisyphus, in Greek mythology, he was, he was banished for eternity to take this big rock, I think we've got a picture of it, this humongous rock, and he was gonna push this rock up the top, to the top of a mountain, and then he had to let it roll down. Then he had to get behind it again and he, he pushed it all the way up to the very pinnacle of the mountain. And then for eternity, it would roll down and he would push it back up, back up, back down for eternity. And, and, and sometimes I feel like this is our, our campus Right, we've got this grand vision, right, this grand vision to, to help everybody become an outward focused follower of Jesus, but then we've got this, this grand vision to start a hundred churches. And see, like, like <clears throat> Sisyphus here, he was, he was pushing this rock up and, and there's actually a saying in our culture called S- it's Sisyphean, and somebody that's Sisyphean, they're doing work that's, that's futile, that's, that's worthless. But see, our, our work, our work is not worthless. It's not, not futile. Because what I'm, I'm supposed to tell you right now is that, that Grace Church, South Overland Park Campus, you guys sitting here right now, you are a force to be reckoned with. You're a force to be reckoned with. Just, just check this out. Just two short years ago, we started a church in Olathe. That has 300 people worshiping there. Just two short years ago, this September, we launched the North Overland Park campus. And there's 400 people worshiping there. We started a church in Lee Summit where there's 100 people that from Grace went over. In the last two months, we gave away a quarter of a million dollars. From this campus, a quarter million of dollars went out. We Just a few weeks ago, we baptized 29 people. As a, as a church-wide, we baptized 179 people, and 130 of them were from right here. Can I get an amen? I know it's 8 a.m., y'all, but come on. 179 people, that means life change. We've had salvations, numerous salvations. Lives have been changed. Do you understand that people will be changed for eternity? That means forever because of the work that God has done through you. See, John 15, 5 says that I am the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he that abides in me and I in him shall bear much fruit. But then he says this. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you think about all the things that are, are going on here, all the stuff that's happening. 179 people getting baptized. Salvation's all over the place. It's insane. Like it's, it's amazing what is going on here. I've traveled the world, literally 32 countries, and I've never seen God do stuff like he's doing here. But what that verse says, John fifteen five, apart from me, you can do nothing. We must be connected to him because he is doing some stuff here. When we got together and we thought, like, what, what does this campus really need? Maybe there's a story that, that really just exemplifies our campus. And we came up with First uh, Samuel, chapter 25, verse 13. If you want to you turn there, I'm going to pray before we hop in. And we'll, we'll we'll see if this story makes some sense for the South Overland Park campus. So let's let's pray together. Jesus, I just thank you. Uh, I thank you that you're at work. I thank you that you're at work here. That you're moving. That people are being transformed for eternity. I thank you that that you're just doing stuff here, God. I pray that we would realize it. And I, w- I would pray that everybody sitting in every single chair here would would realize that. Even if we if we have online viewers, God, I pray that they would realize that you are moving through them. And it's because we're connected to you. And really because you're connected to us. Just pray that you would teach us today. Pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So 1 Samuel 25 verse 13, it says, Then David, right, King David, he wrote the majority of the Psalms. And uh, you've got a big portion of the Old Testament that's about him. It says, So then David said to his men, Every man gird, that's a funny word, every man gird on his sword, it means to put on. So every man put on your sword, so every man put on or girded on his sword, sorry, it's New King James translation, I'm sorry, there's other ways to say like put on. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword, and about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed by the supplies. Or stayed by the stuff. And so you've got two situations right here. He says, he says that phrase, stayed by the stuff. He says it also in, in, in chapter 30. But the first time he says it, there's this guy Nabal. And these guys are out there. They're fighting a war. They're literally, right? They're losing men's lives. They're fighting. And, and typically what happened was when a, a group or warriors, an army would go somewhere, they would ransack the whole place right they would ransack the whole village or the community they would sometimes squat in people's homes they would they would take their food they would take their livestock they would take their clothes they would take everything but not David see see David was a just man this, this is what i love about david is is he's this just righteous man but he he's tender he's tender as well but then he is f- a fierce warrior i lo- that's like my kind of people the people that can you know like, be tender and kind-hearted, but when they're going to war, man, they're ready to fight. I love those people. I hope I'm like that sometimes. But anyways, so what happened was David wasn't like that, so he wasn't going and ransacking villages. So he sent a couple messengers to this guy named Nabal. And Nabal, his name actually means foolish. And so he sends these messengers to Nabal, and they says, Hey, Nabal, just give us one day, since we haven't ransacked your whole village, Just give us one day, give us one day worth of wool, one day worth of food, one day just so we can be sustained. And Nabal, true to his name, says, who's David to me? Who's David to me? And so David says, here you go, I got these 400 guys, let's go, let's go get Nabal and really show him. And then 200 stay by the stuff. And see, that's the key piece, 200 stay by the stuff. and So in chapter 30, you have another story about the same thing. 400 go, and they're fighting the Amalekites. And so in that situation, they've got these 600 guys, and they're, they're headed over, and they're ab- about to go fight these Amalekites because they've stolen their... Their families, they've taken their children in and they are literally moving over to fight these Amalekites. And he, here, here's the funny thing is um, Amalekites were descendants of Esau. I'm going to get Bible nerdy on you for just a second, but the, the Amalekites were descendants from Esau. And Esau is the guy that, that gave up his birthright because he was what? Anybody know? Because he was foolish. He was a foolish man. And so just like just like Nabal, all the Amalekites are the the foolish men, and in Psalms chapter fourteen it says, The fool says in his heart that there is no God. And so you see David just he is literally pursuing the fool. He's pursuing the fool. He's pursuing the person that is apart from God. We can take that inspirationally, that we should pursue the people that are the fools, the ones that are apart from God, that are saying there is no God. We should we should pursue them. The remarkable thing about David was this. It's just amazing. Literally, his, his wife and his children are taken into captivity by the Amalekites. And then he says this. He, he literally stops. This is the remarkable thing. Right here, it's uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. So his family is in captivity. And he says, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pers- pursue this truth? Shall I overtake them? And he answered and said, this is God. He says, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Man, my hope for, for our church is that we are a force to be reckoned with where we will not stop until everybody is recovered, till everyone is recovered, till all the fools are coming to know Jesus, till all of our families are recovered and they know him. See, so you, you can read the scriptures a, a, a few ways. This is a, a, another Bible nerdy thing, but you can, you can read the scriptures and you can read it and you can say, what is historically happening? Like, what's actually historically happening? Yes, David pursued Nabal. It actually happened. And then doctrinally. Doctrinally is, what is God trying to teach? What's he actually teaching? He's teaching that we should pursue the fool. That we should pursue them or that, that the Lord wins the war. And then inspirationally, it's what does this scripture mean for us today? Right? When we're reading the Old Testament and those weird stories, like what does this mean for me today? And what it means, I think for our church right now, the South Overland Park campus is that we should pursue all that we like should pursue everyone. And some of us are weary. And this is this is the greatest thing about this, this he, he puts this extra little verse in there for us, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 10. It says, But David pursued, right? He he pursues he and four hundred men, for two hundred stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezar. So you've got 200 that, that, that stay behind, and he trusted them. That's, that's amazing. It's not like, you know, hey, I, I don't trust that you're, you know, you're not weary. So, but he, he trusted them, and, and it just makes me think of Jesus. You know, David looks on the, his multitude. He looks on the 600, and he says, hey, the, the, the guys that are, that are strong, come with me. But the 200, you know what? Stay by the stuff. Put on your sword still and stay by the stuff. It reminds me of Jesus in, in Matthew. Check this out. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, right? this is Jesus, he, he sees the multitudes just like David. He sees the multitudes and he was moved with compassion, with feeling in his bones, like in his bowels is, is what the old version says. It says he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary, because they were faint, they were ready to die, and they were scattered. They were scattered, meaning they didn't have community, and they were like sheep having no shepherd. They had nobody to care for their souls. And I just think, how does this apply to us? And, and I think, you know what, people are weary, they're about to faint, but the Bible, the Word of God says that we have the words of life. We have the words of life to give people life where we can breathe life into them, where we can say, you know what, you are a force to be reckoned with. You are a force to be reckoned with. You can do it. I am with you. I want to walk with you as you're, you're suffering or you're weary. We have the words of life and guess what? We're scattered. There's people that are scattered all over our community and you know what they need? They need community and we can provide that for them. Common unity. Community is common unity around the person of Jesus and we can say, you know what? Come in and I want to give you community and belonging in a place. And then he says there's people that have no shepherd. They have nobody just caring for them. Man, Christians should be the best at caring for people. We should be the best. Sometimes, man, we are the worst. Let's re- rewind and, and go back to first Samuel chapter 30, verse 24. This isn't actually on the screen, but he, he, he says this. He says, but as his his part, so the person that went. The 400, they got a reward. And the 200 that stayed by the stuff, David says, you know what? We're going to give equal portion. We're going to give equal reward to the person that goes and the person that stays. And so from this day forward, he says, from this day forward, there's going to be a law in the land where the people that stay get is equal reward. See, to to pursue the fools, you get an equal reward. So when we launched out a North Overland Park campus, or a campus in Lee Summit, or or a, a campus in Olathe, or wherever, wherever we're doing church plans, you know what? The people that go sometimes they get this incredible reward because they're on the front lines, they're fighting. But the people that stay get a reward and they get a blessing because they're still doing the work where they are. They still have a reward from God because He He still wants to to bless them. You know what? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we are in a war. We're, we're in a war, and we're in a war to, to push back evil. We're in a war to say, you know what? Hey, I know you're a fool, but you know what? I want to bring you back to God. I want to provide community for you. I want to care for you. I want, I want to love you because we're in this thing together. You know where We have this grand vision to plant a 100 churches, and you know what? Who cares about the number? It's just a number, and we're not saying it so, uh, you know what, we planted 100 churches, and we're not doing it because we're about the number. We're not saying, you know what, we've baptized 179 people, so we can say, well, we baptized 179 people. We're about the person behind the number. You know, I was uh, in Central Asia just actually December 10th through the 18th. I recently got back, I guess just a a few days ago now. So I was in Central Asia. uh, and then I was in Myanmar, and I met this guy named Had. And Had was a, a, a Muslim before I had met him uh, it, about 10 years ago. And he walked into this, this office. It was called an NGO, of an NGO. So he walked in this nonprofit organization, and he, he walked in, and he, he saw a copy of the Bible. And a copy of the Bible in that area of the world is very, very rare. And in Islam, it's a sin to touch it. And he said, I, I walked into this, this room and I had this overwhelming sense to touch the Bible, to touch this book. And so I walked over to it and I, I, I reached my hand out and I didn't touch it because I thought, oh, this is such a great sin. And then he walked over to it again and he, he touched it. And then he goes, oh, I've sinned such a great sin. I can't, I can't believe I, I, I'm touching this. And then he walked back over to it and he picked it up and he opened it and he started to read a little bit. And he goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe this is, uh, you know, this is such a huge sin in, in Islam. So he, then he put the book back on the, the desk and the director of the nonprofit walked in and Had said, what is that? He, see, he was a, a, a military, he was part of the military police then and he would report people that were followers of Jesus. And so he's sitting there, and, and there's this book, and he says, what is that? And he says, oh, it's, somebody just left it here. We had, a, we had some visitors, and they just left it here. And he goes, I know what that is. That's a, that's a copy of the Bible. He goes, yes, yes, it is a copy of the Bible. And he goes, I will report you and take you to jail if you don't let me take this home for one night. <laughs> so he says, okay, take it. And so he took it, and he, he, he read it. And then he came back the next day and he said, Hey, director, you have to let me keep that book for three nights, or I'm going to tell the military police and they're going to come get you. And he says, Okay. He, so he ended up keeping it for 10 days and he read the book cover to cover. And here's the deal Hod is not just a number. See, when I was over there, we stopped uh, in London at Heathrow's airport, and we stopped. We didn't have a ton of time, but we stopped for breakfast. Jared Lupo, he's uh, our, our uh, great student's guy and, uh, for the middle school. And so we stopped in London, and we we're having a muffin and a coffee, and there was this really nice lady. She had a, a hijab on, and she was from Pakistan. And so we got into this conversation, her name was Feroza, and Feroza was a Pakistani Muslim that lived in Canada, and so her English was fantastic, so we just started sharing with her, we got to share the gospel with her, and I said, hey Feroza, do you mind if I just pray for you right now? And so I prayed this fairly, it was very odd for me. I don't typically pray a very direct prayer, but I said, God, would you, would you just please save Rosa's soul and that, that she would just come to know you, that she would convert to follow you all the days of her life and that, that she would walk with you and that she would become a believer. Amen. And I looked at Feroza and I said, hey, do you mind if I continue to pray for you like tomorrow and the next day and the next day? And she goes, no, please do not, not pray for me. And I said, okay, I, I'm going to continue to pray for you. And so guess what? Feroza is not just a number. I was on the plane actually coming back, and it was coming back, we were coming back from Dubai, and so I was on this airplane, and uh, I, I typically don't sleep on planes, so I can get my clock adjusted, and, and so I went back to the back, and I got a cup of coffee, and I was starting to talk to the, the flight attendant, and I said, hey, where, where are you from? She had a very interesting name, and so I said, hey, where are you from? She said, Azerbaijan. And I said, Azerbaijan? I said, You don't have a hijab. You don't have a, a covering on. And she said, Yeah, because of the Soviet Union. And uh, when they ruled, they did away with religion. And so everyone is forgotten. But then she said this She said, And plus, God can't hear me because I don't speak Arabic. And I said, Hey, did, did you know that there's a God that knows your language and can hear your prayers? no matter what language you know. She seemed really interested, and I said, he actually loves you so much that he came down to this earth, and he died for you. And she goes, are you a Christian? And I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And she goes, you're not one of those missionaries. I don't like those missionaries. And I said, it was good to talk to you. I'm going to go back to my seat. But here's the deal. She's not just a number. You know what a church that's a force to be reckoned with does? It goes to dangerous areas and it goes to dark areas because we have the light and we're ready to push back the darkness. Here's a, here's a picture of uh, that, that area in Central Asia that I went to. This is a Persian man and he's holding these balloons. I just thought it was a very ironic photo, but because you've got this mud wall, this is near an IDP camp, an internally displaced people camp because they've e- either got pushed out because of war or something else or because there's ethnic cleansing. So they move and they sort of make these makeshift uh, villages and they're very shanty-like, so like shacks, and they live in them. But this guy is selling balloons, and and this is what a church that a for, that is a force to be reckoned with. This this balloon right here, I don't know if you can't if you can't see, but it says I love you. And a church that's a force to be reckoned with says, you know what? I love the Persian people, even though they're different than me. And then there's a, another picture. This is. At the Shwedagon Pagoda, this is a holy place in Buddhism. And so uh, you've got monks right here lighting candles as prayers. I don't know who's hearing those prayers, but obviously not, not Buddha. And so a church that's a force to be reckoned with goes, and they try to minister to those people. A church that's a force to be reckoned with goes down to church under the bridge and Freedom Fire and Kansas City Rescue Mission and Mission Southside because they desire to push back the darkness because we have the answer, because we are the light of the world. Go back to to First Samuel chapter 25 for me. I wonder if you noticed this at the beginning. He says, then David said to his men, every man girder, every man, every man and woman, put on your sword. Every man, not just the 400 that are going to battle, but the 400 and the 200. And I wonder, I just wonder if it, it, it maybe it's just more like this. And, and Justin said to Grace Church, put on your sword. Do you know what your sword is? Ephesians chapter six says that put on your sword sword, put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know what, whether you're staying or whether you're going, you've got to grab this book. You've got to grab this book and say, you know what, I might not be going out to war right now, but I'm going to put this sword on just in case, and I'm going to put it in my heart, and I'm going to continue to read it, and I'm going to continue to pour it into my life because people's souls depend on it, and because my soul wants to be connected to the king of kings how you know this is a, a a great story but how how do we actually live like how do we, how does this change my life on monday right now you put on your sword like actually put it on let's like let's win this year don't you want to win this year don't you want to like go out and fight not 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 physical battles, but spiritual battles where you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna share the truth of who Jesus is. I'm gonna go out in my neighborhoods, my and, and share the truth of of this book and, and the love of Christ and the graciousness of, of Christ. Because guess what? People all over this world need grace. They need undeserved love because they're really not getting it anywhere else besides from the the being that came down two thousand years ago and he, he died, so we could share grace with others. Man, you are a force to be reckoned with. And here's a question. Are you a force to be reckoned with only on the weekend for one hour? You know, this is why I think church is so lame sometimes right here. I think church is so lame sometimes because we've forgotten that we're in a war and that we have a kingdom to extend in all of the earth, and we have an opportunity to push back the darkness Because we're so focused on one hour a week. What happens? Would people know if you were actually a follower of Jesus if you didn't go to church? Like, how are you a follower of Jesus besides one hour a week? You know, I had some friends that wanted to push back to darkness. It was was in, in November and... Uh, you know, there's this thing called No Shave November, and so you don't shave, Uh, and so uh, there were guys at my house, and it was at the beginning of November, it was back, we lived in Springfield, and it was after church, and you know, we were all just regular guys, and and we just got into my little tiny two-bedroom house, right, nobody buys a two-bedroom house anymore, right, because you you can't sell it, and we couldn't sell it for like eight years, and so we had this, this house, but it, we all came together. It was like 25 of us that came together in my little 800-square-foot house, and, and we said, man, we want to do something. We want to push back darkness. So we did this thing called 30 and 30, not the ESPN documentary series about sports, but, but we said, you know what, we're going to share the gospel with 30 people in 30 days. And so we built up a little email list. We got on on this little email list, thirty and thirty. And anytime we shared the gospel that month, we would we would share it with the group and say, you know what? Hey, I got to, I got a chance to share the gospel with Doug. I got a, uh, a chance to share the gospel with Lynn and Darren and John. And we just shared because we wanted to push back the darkness. You know what? It, do you want to fulfill the vision that we have here? to help everybody become an outward-focused follower of Jesus? Like, are you multiplying yourself? Don't you want to multiply yourself this year so more people will come to know him, so more lives will be transformed? I I recently heard a story about the Great Barrier Reef and the Great Barrier Reef has this epidemic of starfish and the starfish are are destroying it. And so these scientists, uh, they weren't very good scientists, they jumped in the water and they said, grab your knives, we're going to cut these starfish in half and this will help cure the Great Barrier Reef. You know what happened to starfish when you cut them in half? They grow back. They grow back. And so... How are you multiplying yourself? You know, maybe we won't be environmentalists right now. Think uh, as the Great Barrier Reef is darkness and evil, and we're ready to push it back, so we're going to multiply ourselves so we can destroy the darkness, so we can push it back, so we can shine the light on it. Because Grace Church, you are a force to be reckoned with. You're a force. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh, this isn't a typical thing people do, but um, if you desire to be on mission, if you desire maybe there's some area of the city that you want to go, I think we've got a, a next slide right here, you can come to my house. That's right, I'm inviting everybody over to my house if you desire to be on mission. So grab your phones, take a picture of this if you want to come. If you desire to be in ministry, if you desire to be a missionary, if you desire to, to be a goer or a starter, maybe there's an area of the city that you say, you know what, I want to push back the darkness. Maybe you're called or there's a cause that you just want to make a difference in. You can come to my house. Literally, I'm inviting you to my house. So there might be, there might be 5,000 people there and there might be three of us. Right, me and my wife, and one of you, maybe. Uh, but here's my address, January 11th, 7 p.m. Anyone considering missions or ministry, anybody that the same things I just described, a cause, anything, come right on over, and I'll tell you why when you get there. Okay, I'll tell you why. I know that I'm putting myself out on a limb there, and you know what? It, we might it might be sitting room only, and we'll just all hang out. And I'll share a little bit from God's Word. Hopefully, encourage you. Hopefully, maybe do some consulting and coaching on how to take you from where you are to where you need to be. I know it's a bit crazy to invite the whole church to my house, but come on, I'm I'm happy to do it. So it was my wife's idea. Okay, by the way, so she's okay with it. Anyway, here. Lastly, if you're not a follower of Jesus, would you just follow him? You know, if you're here. By some circumstance, Second, Second Corinthians 5.15 says, and that he died for all. That means you. He died for all, that they which live, I'm still alive today, you're still alive today, should no longer live for themselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. You should live for him and just give your life to him. Give it to him. Don't, don't you want to extend an eternal kingdom that will last forever rather than your temporal, small kingdom? Don't you want your life to have meaning and purpose? Man, he'll give you purpose. He'll give you community. And he'll care for you. You remember that, that that Bob Goff quote? He says, instead of telling people what they want, tell them who they are. And you are a force to be reckoned with. I hope you believe that. He goes on to say this. He says, all the directions we're giving to each other aren't getting people to the feet of Jesus. More often, our unintended result is that we lead people back to us. And so my question for you is how are you going to get people back to the feet of Jesus? And I can guarantee you, it starts with putting on your sword. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. We need you badly. God, I pray that you would just work. I pray that you would continue to work. I pray that we would, we would be in, attached to the vine. God, I pray that you would bless the 400 that went and that you would bless the South Overham Park campus that is, they're staying, God. They're staying here, and I pray that they would continue to make disciples and they would multiply themselves, and that you would get glory, honor, praise, and majesty. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.